the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 410. I'm Paul Spain, and my guest today, Savannah Peterson. Hello, it's so wonderful to be here. I love being back in your podcasting studio, talking tech. Great to have you on the show. So maybe you can fill in listeners on where you fit into this wide world of um, tech, New Zealand tech even this week. Yes, absolutely. So I run a company in San Francisco called Savvy Millennial. It's actually an international company, but that's where I'm based, where I build communities around the future technology and products that we talk about on the show and and we'll interact with in the future. So I was lucky enough to be down here this week for BlockWorks, New Zealand's premier blockchain event, where I ran a Blockchain 101 workshop as well as emceed the whole show with all of the fabulous Kiwi speakers and entrepreneurs really making waves and applying the technology to the ecosystem here. Which fantastic. is fantastic. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool. It's inspiring. Oh, well, it's great Great to have you down in New Zealand, as always. Thank and you. thank you for somehow squeezing in the time to uh, come and join the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'll always make time for you <laughs> and your listeners. It truly means a lot to me to be here. Well, lots we probably could talk about about blockchain, but we'll, we'll see how we go on, on time. Um, the first story that sort of caught my attention in the news today was Air New Zealand making an announcement that they're, they're teaming up with uh, Zephyr Airworks, which is the, the parent company that oversees the, um, uh, the company that oversees Cora, which is being developed in the South Island. This is this um, uh, autonomous electric air taxi, and it's been flying in South Island in New Zealand. Uh, Have you seen is, it fly? I haven't seen it flying. I've tried to twist their arm to take me down for a look, but yeah. uh, hasn't hasn't happened yet. Maybe we need to do a camp. Um, yeah. like elbow a few friends on Aaron's head. Let's get down there. Yeah. So yeah, they've um, so yeah, it's it's been here in New Zealand, and uh, there's a video online if you want to uh, Google it, which is uh, uh, if you Google disruption playbook and uh, and Cora, you'll see the video interview I had with their uh, CEO. Uh, uh, Fred Reed um, from Zephyr Airworks, and uh, he was the former. Uh, I think he was the the founding um, uh, president of uh, Virgin America. So himself, he's from oh. you know the airline industry uh, yeah. in the past. So you know it, it makes some sense for uh, uh, for you know him to be establishing connections with uh, mm-hmm. with with airlines. And you know, I think there, there's you know prob- probably it's it's a reasonably good uh, reasonably good approach. Um, the, I guess the only little sort of you know tinge I have in there of like, oh, is this really super awesome? Is that look in New Zealand are doing some really cool tech you know tech stuff. Yeah. Um, but some of those things are just sort of demos and and talked about. Um, so you know. I wouldn't be able to say that I'm absolutely convinced that Air New Zealand will actually make this thing, uh, you know, whether this will actually work into their business model or not, right? I'm sure there's still number right. crunching and other things to do. But, uh, you know, I think it, it's very encouraging, it's very pleasing, and uh, having somebody of Air New Zealand sort of scale. And they, they've, you know, they've, they've already talked, and, you know, I was uh, uh, chatting with um, uh, their CEO, uh, Chris Luxon, earlier on in the year, and he was, you know, talking about, uh, at, that, at that stage some months ago, was talking about uh, electric 
uh, you know, flight in, in, in its forms. And, you know, we know there's a lot of development going on on uh, smaller electric uh, planes as well. And so, look, this it's, you know it seems pretty cool. What do you think? Do you think this stuff's actually gonna gonna work? Is it gonna fly? <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, oh man! So I I, got, I gotta be honest with you. I I I remember being a little girl thirty years ago and watching the Jetsons and seeing the flying cars. And I remember my father, of all people, one of the most low tech humans on earth, saying. These are going to be here by the time you drive. I remember thinking, you know, so 15 years ago, hypothetically, we would have then had flying cars in that case. They weren't here yet. Mm. But I've been watching this space, and I'm sure you two have seen at CES and some of these other shows. And if you're familiar with Terrafugia, the the flying Mm. car company, I saw them at one of the experimental aircraft aviation shows. Have have you seen that fly? Because I did a TV interview of you about their stuff a few weeks ago, and all the video footage was all CGI. Uh, whereas I haven't what, seen what, the new what, one. Fly. What, what I liked about Cora uh, is all their yeah. stuff, real footage. It's yeah, a real deal. Or so they have led you to believe, depending <laughs> on how good they are. No, I think. Well, and so I, I encountered Terrafugia years ago, and and could tell they had a ways to go. Seems mm, like they're mm, getting mm, into mm, a new mm, space. Mm. I have seen their their car fly, for lack of a better word. Um, but so I, I want this. We we need this as long as it's going to be accessible. If this is just like another helicopter where it's a slightly more environmentally sound but exclusive method of transportation it's less intriguing to me as as a people who builds community around new tech Mm. i want to fly in one of course but i do think that there's a real opportunity to especially from an electric side to reduce our pollution on the roads to reduce congestion by getting people in the air we obviously have a lot more air but it it introduces a very interesting level of risk so My answer to your question is, I want to believe it. I want it to fly. I'm rooting for Air New Zealand. We know I'm a big fan of the airline like you and and truly believe that they push the boundaries. It's nice to hear, actually, that Virgin tie-in as well, because they're one of the other aviation companies, I think, that had their head on straight Mm, about future mm. forward. So... it, it seems like, honestly, to me, and we've talked about this before, I mean, New Zealand is an excellent test ground for the rest of the world. Your looks like, feels like, smaller version of a lot of bigger places. So if you can actually make it work in the South Island where the population's lower and it's safe, I honestly think it's brilliant. I'm mm. going for mm. it. Make it happen, guys. Definitely make it happen. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to a test flight. Now, for, for those who... <laughs> and if you want to invite Paul and I for a test flight, <laughs> we can do a podcast and a video live at the same time. Absolutely. <laughs> with, with glee. <laughs> uh, now, for those who are, who are really interested in this electric transport but don't want to wait, well, Lime have launched in, uh, in New Zealand. This just happened, yeah, just, right? Yeah, just just happened this week. Um, yeah. So, uh, Auckland and Christchurch, you can fire up the uh, you can fire up the app uh, right now. I'm just having 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 a look. Uh, so it's a. I am a Lime a, scooter in in the Bay Area. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. I yeah. honestly, so if you're out there wondering about scooters and you remember the old Razor era. These are so fun. Mm. I deeply estimated, or deeply underestimated, excuse me, the amount of joy I would feel 
when I got on one of these. Mm. And I've just been a banshee. I was riding them at a conference in Portland last week. They're in Oakland. They're all over. It's now mm. kind of my go-to, and it's cheap as. Yeah. I, I suspect it's just what, as cheap what's here. What's the price in the, in the U.S., do you recall? For a reasonable ride, mm. you're looking at between 1 and 3 USD. So mm. essentially mm. between 150 and 5 bucks New mm. Zealand, mm. max. Yeah, I think and that's yeah. going up to a mile-ish. Here, there, 30, 30 cents New Zealand a minute. So, you know, 10-minute yeah. ride, $3. Exactly. Yeah, if, you're, if you're riding, you know, shorter than that. And you can get you know, pretty far two, right? pretty quick. Yeah. And it, it yeah. makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah. And what I love is it really, you and I, I'm sure, have both been thinking about this for a long time. It's that first and last mile dilemma, mm. right? How are these companies, even like an Air New Zealand or a ride-sharing company, going to leverage that last little step where mm. they can't mm. get? And these scooters, I, I'm I'm into it. Give, give it a go. Be safe. Don't be an idiot. Be respectful <laughs> of cars. Understand <laughs> that you're still a human on a scooter, even though you're going uh, comparable speed to cars in a downtown area, which is something I noticed in Portland. But uh, and and my one my one advice to new New Zealand riders as someone who's been riding them for a few months: keep it light on the cargo. <laughs> It's very easy to lose your balance on the scooter, and and it's, and I, <laughs> the only gnarly crash that I know of in the bay was a friend trying to carry groceries and scoot, getting oh. imbalanced, and then just full <laughs> kilter right over. <laughs> and, um, so, don't <clears throat> don't overestimate yourself on them, but. My gosh, give it a go. And it's such an environmentally sound thing. And I'm sure mm. since it's Lime, people are then able to make money in the same way they do with ride sharing by mm. charging them. Yeah. So people yeah. can make you up can, to a, like once, 150 once bucks a street, day. You can, you know, take it inside and, and charge it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So how much do you earn for charging a charging one? I believe, and I, I could be wrong on this, but I think what I saw in, in Portland was you could earn uh, up between 120 to 150 USD a day. Oh, uh, if you go around and pick them up. You go and, and pick them up. Then, so yeah, you, so you can so get the reverse ping. Right. So the batteries so it's kind do of run like, out kind you of know, fast. It's, it's a sort of scenario like being a Uber driver or something. You yeah. Know, there's opportunities to, to be on the other side. and uh, oh, it's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it really enables this peer-to-peer model that yeah. lets people share, obviously, the, the entrepreneurs at Lime make, mm. their, make their dough, but it also lets people really just have access to something that makes so much sense. Yeah, well, I was looking at it last night, and I fired up, uh, fired up the app, and I'm just having a look now around... You know, yeah, how Auckland, is it? That's the one thing and, I have noticed. Uh, it depends on where you are. There, there's one out um, out in Mangere, which is uh, you know towards the airport. Um, so you know, I'm kind of curious. Um, yeah, how how they get to you know some of these really distant distant. Uh, I mean, it's not really distant, but you know, in terms of you know, that, that'd be a reasonably long ride. Um, just having having a look sort of further afield, but there is a. Um, there is a sort of a, a green lime-coloured area in the app of uh, of how far you're supposed to uh, go, I, su- I suppose. Uh, and, oh, interesting. Oh, actually, so they have kind look, of a range, a CBD okay. range. Wow, that's interesting because some of them are actually sitting outside of that. There's uh, there's some of them, uh, what does yeah. it say? There's eight or nine. Or there's, well, maybe they've got a little depot spot in, uh, in Henderson because it's showing nine... Uh, in one one place out there, um, I found yeah. Last night when I fired up the app, there was one that was probably five minutes walk from my house. Um, nice. But at that stage, I was looking. I was just sort of you know 
just heading to bed, so I wasn't that, you know, We're ready I for a wasn't scoop. kind of enthused <laughs> enough at that time to, you know, head out in my pajamas and, uh, you know, take one of these things for a for a ride. But I did see on my way into the office, and I'm, you know, not very not very far from the city. Uh, you know, 10, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, uh, you know, drive um, on the residential road. Um, I saw somebody that was, you know, probably taking one home last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they, you know, fired it up again in the morning. And, uh, you know, there you, there you go. So, uh, you know, they were taking it to work. So, oh, yeah. Um, they'll be kind of, you know, kind of interesting where, the, you know, people will sort of get attached. Uh, attached them in different locations, and then um, yeah, I don't know how the charging side of it works. Whether you can sort of uh, take one off the street and charge it at your you office and things do like that. that. I, like, I think we, it's a little more. The, I, yeah, I get the feeling that I mean, having gone through the user experience, and I've actually drained the batteries on a <laughs> on a couple of them. <laughs> that that uh, could be a bit of a challenge. A long way yeah, away they warn you, but it's it's definitely a moment where you're like, oh, geez, okay, yeah. wait, I got to pull over and, and yeah. deal with this. I and I do think it's because a lot of people are. Using them, I'm not sure that the individual who isn't necessarily a pre-designated charger can just charge one in their home. Mm-hmm. But maybe, and I could see that becoming a future thing. Although, if you're looking at optimizing a fleet, you wouldn't want people to sequester them. They need mm-hmm. to be in use from a from a revenue perspective. So, it's it's really interesting. And uh, the the one thing I can say that. That pe- and I don't mean to be like safety sav over here, but <laughs> there's there's a lack of consciousness of the of vehicles in the same way. You know, you're not on a bicycle like you have a helmet with road mm-hmm. rules. And I have and so in San Francisco they came out and it was a huge deal and they've actually been banned. So they're in the East Bay now. They're in different parts of of Northern California, but they're not in San Francisco proper because we're working on. I, they'll come back, but the permitting was just reckless, and you've got people literally mm-hmm. ditching scooters in the middle of the street because yeah, they're just yeah. overprivileged tech bros who do not understand property or respect for others. Forgive me, I live there. I'm allowed to say that. Uh, and, and, and so it's, it's, I'm going to be really curious to see how, how it's adopted here. My mm-hmm. girlfriend's daughter, it was so cute. She's 16. And she was texting us. We were we were out in Waiheke, and she was texting us, "Hey, can I have your credit card so I can electric scooter home?" And I was so excited because yeah. that meant they were here. I realized yeah. I, I, they hadn't been here. I was trying to take them last week. So very yeah. cool. Yeah. Congrats to the Lime team too. I mean, incredible global scale, very fast. Yeah. Well, that's that's all the sort of key part of it, isn't it? As is being mm-hmm. very very snappy and being able to you know scale up uh, and build qu- on that hype qu- quickly. Um, I do, you know, and I haven't uh, haven't actually taken a ride yet, but you know, little bits and pieces that stood out in the app for me. Oh, the, the New Zealand pricing, by the way, is a dollar to unlock plus thirty cents a minute. Oh yeah, um, okay, yeah. And so you've got a um, couple of things in the app. You can uh, hit the ring. You can oh, uh, select one, and then hit the ring button. Uh, ring the bell on it. Um, Ooh. Oh yeah, it does make a cute little sound. Okay, when you so this, this I've just hit the bell on one of them. Sorry, whoever's nearby. Um, <laughs> if that's your bell, respond and, to the comments. Uh, and now I'm reporting it missing. No, I'm not going to mess with them and do that one. Um, but uh, yeah, but and it also tells you uh, how long the, the battery is. So this particular one that I've picked, which is on Coil Street at the at the moment, uh, which isn't too far away. Uh, so it's got eleven point eight kilometer uh, range, and it you know shows you That's pretty good. shows you the charge on the battery. I've seen other ones up to around 30 uh, k range. So here's one that looks pretty much full. 
and yeah, twenty nine point six uh, kilometer range. So oh, yeah, yeah, they're all it's, over. Uh, it's very cool. That's very cool. pretty. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I think my longest longest ride was oh, just so in terms of so if people can get an idea for pricing. Looking at my past rides, they've been all been between four and eleven minutes. So engaging your pricing, you're really only looking at three to five New Zealand dollars yeah, to, to yeah. play, which is one of the things I think is awesome. They also do tell you every time you ride, for those of us who are environmentally conscious, they tell you how many grams of carbon you saved by not getting in a vehicle or transporting yourself a different way, which I think is quite lovely. Now, I don't know what's happened to the map. Oh, no, it's refreshed again. I had to uh, shut down and restart the app because it was giving me... All the all the um, I bet it's a popular all time the, all the it. ones in Henderson had disappeared and some of the other ones outside the map. But now I've done a refresh and they're all back again. So uh, just My, just be yeah. weary. Sometimes the app plays up. I don't oh, know interesting. If, okay, there's your green sound. Yeah, and so you know, with any new, ma- ma- maybe that's because of that one that I. Oh, no, oh, you're ringing bells. I don't know what it's doing. Um, but anyway, good good fun stuff. Oh, yeah. My, my hope with this, to close out the dialogue on the scooters, really, is I hope this is what the segue was supposed to be. We always needed some electric, sustainable way to get around yeah. in urban areas in particular and 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 congested areas at, at Rush. And honestly, if you've been drinking, it's much better to risk mm. a scooter than to risk a ride in a car. So it's... It, I think that this will be that. Mm. This and if, brought and in the fact, joy. The, the, the company that's yeah. making them, they they own the Segway brand now, right? They've actually got yeah. Segway uh, branding on them. Okay, now on Just to... took an extra 15 years. On to some other topics. Can you give your opinion on Kiwis and whether we're super gullible? Now, the reason I'm asking you this question, Savannah, is Microsoft Microsoft has published a report that says New Zealand, um, or they're sharing a report that says New Zealand is at the top of the list of the most scammed countries in the world, uh, I guess on a per, per capita basis. Is hmm yeah are we, are we super gullible? Um, is this is it, you <laughs> this know is we, loaded. We, we, we and we often talk about New Zealanders <sighs> New Zealand punching above our weight. Are we mm-hmm. punching above our weight in gullibility here? Why are we getting scammed so much? Well, I I, <laughs> I find this ironic for a couple reasons. One, you were recently named the least corrupt nation on earth, so there's the least internal fraud. But it's very interesting that you're, according to this report, susceptible to internet scams. And one of the things that I thought was particularly interesting uh, about this. So when they're talking about getting scammed and and essentially being internet gullible, it's kind of what what we grew up with as the phone calls, where they would call and say, oh, you know, your niece is stuck in Mexico and needs $2,000 to get across the border. You have to send me this to this account. This is kind of the same thing, but with internet pop-ups. And what I loved about that report and truly made me chuckle is that the most gullible Kiwis, so I guess pat yourself on the back if you're not in this category, are young people, mostly millennials, significantly more susceptible than Gen X, who is by trend a bit more skeptical of the internet. But beyond that, young males 
so it's the overconfidence. It's the, the perceived technical confidence that leads them down this path of ending up in a dark corner <laughs> and, and losing money. I think it was... Um, yeah, we saw um, the, the, in the report... Um, you know, you're right. Sort of, you know, young males at the at the high end of getting scammed um, across the general populace. I think they were talking about one fifth of uh, New Zealand population actually engaging with the scammers. Which I know, yeah. you know, some of us is actually just having a bit of fun, right? Right. So th- there's a portion of that. I mean, occasionally and, we troll the trolls, yeah. right? There's no shame <laughs> in that game, <laughs> especially folks like us. <laughs> uh, and, we, and we played one of those recordings in the early days on uh, on on the show. Oh my uh, gosh, I'm gonna have to find that so one. But that's fr- hilarious. And uh, Rob Warner decided to have a have a little bit of fun with them and uh, and recorded it for us, which was was great. Um, and one uh, about one third of that group that engaged with the scammers um, actually end up, um, you know, I guess sharing credit card details or you know incurring a cost somehow, which I'm, I'm presuming is generally uh, via via credit card, but possibly via internet banking as well. So yeah, um, I, and, and I'm that, almost that, curious that, a little bit. Nice, this is, is crypto based. Uh, no, it's not mm. nice. And in mm. in mm. one of the things that I, you know, I'm a Kiwi addict. This is my tenth trip in the last three years. That I just love about it here is everyone is so trusting. And you, you kind of and and so what I thought was interesting is I was just in Denmark two weeks ago. Another very trusting nation. And so Denmark apparently had been on the the lesser gullible end of the stick, leading the pack on most sort of scrupulous, so to right, speak. Right. And they had subsequently fallen essentially into parallel with the Kiwis in the UK, potentially from this over internet confidence and just mm-hmm. believing. I don't believe anything I see on the internet. Right? I just think everyone's a dog. Like the old cartoons from That's back right. in the day. So don't believe anything, listeners, that you're hearing <laughs> on this show, especially if it comes out of Savannah's mouth. Today. Definitely. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, there, there, there's, all, there's always a, sh- a shred of truth in, uh, in, in these discussions, I'm sure. Oh, gosh, um. yeah. No, I, I, I just hope it doesn't make Kiwis more skeptical in general. It's all right if you want to be more scrupulous online. I did think one of the things that was very interesting in that report also was that most of the scams are on Windows software. So it's a very, it, you know, for those well, of us, it, yeah. yeah. Interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. And and that's always, you know, Apple's defense in the early days, and I this has been my personal experience. I'm not sure statistically if this is still true, but you're less susceptible to attack. They had, they had a different level of market share, so people don't build that spyware and creepy stuff to come in and attack you. Yeah. So... Well, there's 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 always sort of two sides to that. Whether you you know you pick the most popular platforms and mm-hmm. anything, right? It could absolutely you know, um, whether it's it's the operating system, whether it's the software that sits on top of it, whether it's a content management system. There's you know every, everywhere you look, really, I suppose. Um, now, another thing that came through from Microsoft, and and this is one I found elsewhere online, but I I chased them up to find out where it came from, and they ended up um, I've just sent sent it through today. Um, but it was a report talking about the impact on productivity for small to medium businesses within uh, the Asia-Pacific region, Uh, the the impact for those businesses that were running older computers. Mm. So when you look in a home environment, you run a computer that's a little bit older. Right. You know, it can be reasonably hard to justify to update that, particularly if it doesn't get a lot of use. Now, in the business world, it's quite different because you know, people tend to sit and utilize, you know, their, their computers. Pretty, uh, pretty important tools, right? 
Um, and I guess with, within Gorilla, we've, you know, we've generally advocated for uh, you know taking steps that are, are good from a business perspective, good from a productivity perspective. So you know, the idea Shopping. of using a using a ten year old computer is you know uh, is not something that would you know we, we would we would be uh, we would be encouraging. In fact, we'd be quite at the other end of the scale on that one. Um, so this report was interesting because it's the first time I've actually sort of you know seen something. I've never gone out and I've never gone out and looked for such a such a report. Um, but basically, their 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 numbers are saying that something like seventy uh, percent of uh, small businesses have computers that are over four years old. Um, that's a pretty significant amount. It's a pretty big chunk, and that's all of Asia Pacific across. Yeah, you know, I guess yeah. yeah, across across the the region, and I'm not sure exactly wow. which countries were included and excluded. How old is your computer? Um, uh, well, this one would be would be a couple of months old, I suppose. But um, this one, at some stage, will have to go go back to its manufacturer. Um, so I took it sent uh, you know the odd uh, device to review. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Apple, on this occasion. <laughs> Uh, now, so the the interesting number is they're they're coming up with a figure uh, which seems to nicely round out to four thousand New Zealand dollars as the cost of actually running uh, running a An PC machine. that is uh, more than four years old. Which uh, they highlight uh, wow. the chance of it uh, breaking down and then the impact on productivity. Which I guess your productivity impact can come from. You know, computer breaking down, you just don't have it because it's got to go off and get repaired, yeah. or someone's got to come and repair it, or it's slow, or it's slow, right? And you know, you 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 think about that, and um, I think that's really interesting. Uh, you know, you just impact, say, a small workforce, twenty people, you impact their productivity by five percent. Uh, well, that's the equivalent of actually. You know, one one person mm-hmm. uh, that's potentially you know impacting the business. Now, whether that's a direct financial cost, whether that's uh, people having to work a little bit longer, or they're not able to take on certain tasks, you know, there's all sorts of ways of sort of slicing and, and right. dicing it. But right. still, there's a there's a negative impact there that you know you you could you know probably argue as the equivalent of. Uh, um, you know about the workload of one person. So yeah, it's 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 interesting to talk about this. So I had the good fortune of working with a startup on an interesting microfluidic layer for going over screens. On a, sorry, a what? A uh, microfluidic layer. Fluidic layer. Okay. Yes. So uh, a multi-layer polymer stack. Not to get too geeky for everyone listening. That that fits across your tablet for two reasons. One for four X the shadow protection and two this the the microfluidic technology actually makes it feel like pen on paper oh no so if you're writing on it or it's a tablet it's actually a really delightful experience Mm. and Mm. it truly does feel that way because i think writing the the writing experience on tablet right now is still a little cold and Mm. that's why Mm. people Mm. do it but it's not the same as drawing you Mm. you don't Mm. you just don't quite see that ubiquitous adoption so one of the things that i learned in helping this company with their website tactus technology if anybody wants to check them out is that this is actually a massive problem for very large corporations. Mm. So it's less the stuff, I mean, you and I run similarly sized businesses. I'm pro my people having the technology that makes them feel awesome and do their job best. Mm. If that's an extra 1500 bucks off my top for you to be the best you, I'm into it every year. You just tell me what you need. Don't yeah. abuse it. You don't just get it because, you know, just because it just came out. But 
it's much more I, I want to feel that productivity and I want you to be empowered to be your best so it's it's interest it was really interesting to me because when I was looking at marketing this product I wasn't thinking about I had never thought about it from that perspective mm. I had just thought if something happens to my device I either go get it fixed or I go buy a new one and there's kind of I mean maybe there's a little lost productivity but between you know you and I are the type we have a few extra devices lying around I can usually sort of recover in that mm. time period and it is a massive huge top line problem for these companies when they look at cutting cost from both the, from both the productivity side which I think is very compelling but also from just the general hardware and device and potentially injury so if somebody yeah. if if the device breaks because the screen breaks you cut yourself then you've got a whole other scenario yeah that's, that's not a good position to be so there's kind of this is actually a it's not the sexiest problem that I think large corporations face and are trying to overcome but I do think that it's it's a more significant problem than than we would ever think of just mm-hmm. in our in our day to day. So yeah, if your people want an upgrade, give them the upgrade. Just make them rationalize it. It's okay. Yeah. So there were four uh, four reasons for not uh, not replacing the older hardware. They've got. Apps, oh yeah, you know software that's running on those machines that apparently can't work on newer operating systems. Uh, the computers are perceived to be not critical to the overall operation of a company. So, oh, that one's just sitting in the corner; doesn't do much. So, you know, we'll keep that. Oh, and, the and, forgotten uh, devices. Yeah. That's like that's like the sad little toaster. There's that's just the visual I have of just lonely computers <laughs> collecting dust. <laughs> Never getting yeah, updated. I tend not to personalize them quite that much myself, but uh, <laughs> you know, because then how do you feel when when you have to let it go, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's so. okay if you have to let it go. I think there's actually it's, it's a part of the process. Um, <laughs> other other the other ones were around you know not having this the budget and just Super around fair. you know new PCs being expensive, so you know tight and budget wise. Kind of uh, kind of interesting. So uh, yeah. Um, you can you can see why Microsoft wants to highlight this, of course, because it's good for their business. Right, people, and they just released you know, a new buy, surface buying and, uh, buying new yeah. operating systems and you know buying new new devices. Um, but you know, look, you could you can probably argue with the with the numbers. There's all sorts of opinions on what would be right, and it would vary from business to business. But uh, you know, I think it's fair, to, fair to say that uh, you know there there is a there is a a higher cost to not replacing uh, old hardware. Um, in terms of the impact on productivity than what the cost right. of the equipment is, so there you go. That's um, that's that's definitely something I've I've got to lean in and agree with Microsoft on. So thank you, Microsoft, for paying for that report. Yeah, um, yeah, it's very, good. It's very good marketing on their part. Now, new gadgets. We've all we're always got new gadgets um, mm-hmm. getting announced, and Huawei's uh, Mate Twenty Pro launches overnight they've got a little bit of a a launch gathering in new zealand this week uh, too but as with just about everything these days of course it's all out and it's all over the internet so right um you know for those who are uh, sitting on planes right now flying to london as uh uh, one of my rear friends was telling me the other day, oh, I've been invited to uh, uh, to this launch event in, in London, but I'm not going to have, I wouldn't have time if I went to do anything other than the event and then turn around and fly back again, uh, which is quite a long uh, flight. So, it's 48 um, hours in the sky, isn't it? If you're going around um, trip? Pretty, pretty much, yeah. yeah. So, 
Um, there you go. Anyway, so look, I'm taking the, certainly taking the easy option, as uh, as most people are, and um, um, finding the details online. Uh, looks yeah. looks like uh, that that what Huawei have done uh, this time is is you know that there, there is uh, quite a close connection between their P twenty Pro that launched mm-hmm. earlier on the year, uh, which they've done incredibly well with a really really good device. You know, great great cameras, That's, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean, I so think we played kinda, with that earlier. Yeah, well, yeah. They've, ta- they've taken across you know the, most of, most of those um, features. They've rejigged things in terms of the layout of the cameras and you know a few other bits and pieces uh, up to a virtually a six point four inch um, OLED display. So this is you know this is the what we expect from the mate range, which is to be yep. their sort of you know top t- tier. Top, top tier. Um, 40 megapixel camera we saw. Yeah. Just beefy. The, the triple, yeah, the triple camera thing yep. on the on the mm-hmm. back. Um, now, the the leaks, and we, we don't quite know until, um, you know, a few hours away yet, but, uh, you know, it sounds like um, uh, there's a, a infrared uh, laser system in there which should, should help with sort of, you know, facial unlocking and yeah. um, other things. Now... On the sort of the more exciting end, we've seen a few phones uh, launched over the last, well, I guess this year really, that have had these um, in-display fingerprint sensors. So the idea that you yeah. just, you know, there's no fingerprint sensor you have to find on the back or anything and you don't have to, uh, you know, take, take mm-hmm. away from the screen. Uh, but the ones that I've um, heard about, talked to people that have tried them so far, have been somewhat disappointing. They're not very accurate, haven't oh, worked very interesting. well. So the question is, ha- has it matured enough that this is going to be really good on the Huawei or is it a matter of Huawei trying to get a bit of attention as the you know the most mainstream vendor to, uh, to launch a smartphone with the fingerprint reader sort of, you know, in the display and will it still be a bit disappointing? So that's something I guess we will find out uh, yeah, I think very, very soon. I think that's interesting because the, the uh, watching how Apple approached that and how we went went through that with them, there were so many different levels. Uh, so uh, Before that technology came out, there was a lot of question as to whether or not it was going to work. And mm, so what mm. I... And, and it eventually did at least for most of us and so i'm curious with this if it's a if you're talking the, about fingerprint readers in yeah, general yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i'm yeah. curious if this because it took a second for it to mm-hmm. sort of sort itself and i think it was a little bit of combo of hardware upgrade firmware and software inside so i'm wondering mm-hmm. if it's if that experience that i mean we're just now starting to hear mm-hmm. is something that they'll improve because they just haven't had enough fingers because mm-hmm. it's really that it, it sort of takes it that. helps the more you yeah. know the more real world usage they they get definitely helps um, the other bit that I imagine and I haven't um, you know haven't delved uh, you know too much into this um, is that their um, artificial intelligence around how the camera works will will just keep getting better right we, we, you know I think we, this we, is going to start to get we've seen so some really cool. interesting things here and uh, you know. I was using uh, my Huawei at a, at a conference recently, and one of the things that stood out on just their built-in camera app, and you can do this with with other things uh, such as Microsoft Office Lens, but with their standard built-in camera app, you point your camera 
um, at a you know a presentation that's on the wall from a projector, and it frames it up. And even if it's skew if because you're you know shooting across the room from where you are, and there's somebody's head in the way, it kind of figures it out and. Other than the you know the head overlapping with some of the screen that it might not be able to get back, straightens it oh, up and you've got wow. a nice rectangular slide, right? Uh, so stuff like that is very good. I was using it at the weekend um, with my family. We were we were at the zoo and and um, took some of my son's uh, uh, friends out to the zoo with us. And you know I was trying it there with with varying things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really interesting to to see the. Hmm, how do we put it? the variances in terms of you know one minute and I think um, you know, I was I was taking a shot of um, you know they've got a flock of flamingos there and so at one particular angle it would pick one thing but the lighting wasn't quite right so I you know tilted it down a little bit the lighting improved and then. Um, you know, it, it picked up some greenery, so it was sort of basically saying, "Oh, this is greenery here," and it's like, "Well, no, there's a flamingo there, and yes, yeah. there's some, you know, there's a bit of greenery. Those are uh, bright pink flamingos." Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, oh, interesting. It's, so maybe you know, it doesn't know which it, colors it, it's to definitely prioritize, on a, or some. Sort you know, of... this stuff's on a journey, right? And, oh, it totally um, is. You know, so yeah, and 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 look, there's so much that's in the eye of the beholder. There's so much that. Uh, you know that's why there are professional photographers, right? They're you know, and they 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 do different things, which are you know, an AI can't necessarily read your mind, so you know right. it's got to do the best it, it, it can do. But that's uh, that's traveling along a bit. Um, the other bit that I noticed that was interesting around um, this and the leak, and you know, these things are getting so accurate that we're talking about it as though it's actually. Um, true, but you know you will be able to uh, see how accurate this is within you know um, you know probably around the same time that you, that you listen in. Certainly within a few hours of us going online, um, is the idea of uh, the second SIM slot because they're they're going to have uh, you know two nano yeah. SIM slots. Yeah. Uh, not having to be bigger, which is what we see in some of the uh, some of the smartphones today, who are using this technique of you can either use one SIM and a memory card or two SIMs. They're shrinking it down a bit so that the uh, I guess the space taken up is just enough for two nano SIMs. And apparently, Huawei launching a new proprietary memory card. That will be nano sim sized, so yeah, you can basically put so you know a nano sim in this there. Will be their, yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Then you've got something yeah. proprietary. So that's 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 kind of curious to me. They're big enough. That's I can see. I can see how that would work. Um, but you know, proprietary. Ooh, you know, not not not. I'm I'm not so uh, not so sure about that. But you know, I could, I could see how it could it could catch on. As well, just you know, from that uh, convenience, on how convenience they roll it perspective, out. yeah, exactly. Right? So, it would have to be convenient you know, to and access. Do, do, is it something that's open that anybody else can get on board with it, or is it purely their their thing? We we will see. But um, that's going to be interesting. Look, it's you know, it's great to see all of the competition we've got in the smartphone. Our well, pocket computer right game now, is strong. It's, it's it's getting good, and of course, you know, Huawei have been good with USB C connections, being able to dock your Huawei straight into a screen mm-hmm. and, and you know turn it into a you know a semi full blown uh, computer. So if you've got that computer that's really old, you might actually find you get a better result. Out yeah, maybe of, this uh, is the out hat of, out of just plug, plugging in your your phone. So yeah. there you go. Mm. No, I think it, I think it's going to be interesting. 
they seem to have solved the wireless charging issues they had with this device as well, which is cool. Yeah, it looks looks like they're they're fully on on board in those regards. Now, um, yeah. I wanted to chat through uh, uh, briefly just around some of the gadgets that I've been trying out lately. Let's um, Samsung's Q9F. They're they they call super it Q- swank TV QLED TV. Oh, boy, very very nice. Um, now you're talking for the 65 inch model that they sent across around seven thousand dollars. So this is is not a low cost TV, but it is actually low cost compared to what we were paying for sixty five inch, you know, OLED screens, you know, and and you know, some years ago. Yeah. And they just keep getting better and better. Um, what was the biggest difference that you well, noticed? Well, you know, the, the screen is kind of, you know, you're paying for this panel that gives you the best blacks and just, you know, it looks superb. Um, you know, you've got all sorts of options in terms of, uh, you know, trying to make these screens sort of disappear into the into the wall behind if you've got them wall mounted. And I, right. you know, didn't do that for a, a temporary one where you can, you know, you just know, replace the, the wall yeah, and, and yeah. set this all up. You don't have some room in your house that's constantly staged. Um, <laughs> but one thing that, uh, you know, was maybe a little bit of a surprise to me was just how slick it was with whatever you plugged into it. You know, Xbox One, um, the Amazon uh, Fire TV stick is, you know, something that I've been using a bit because it's just it's, it's just so quick and easy to plug into any device and, you, you know, you have a whole lot of stuff already set up on it. And so I plugged that in and as soon as I, I plugged that in, another icon just sort of appeared in the, I'll call it the dock down the bottom. It's not exactly... Uh, you know, dock. It looks, you know, it's kind of like that, and that's you know where you where you navigate through which apps and things you want to run. Yeah, and uh, you know, instead of it being HDMI one or two or three, it was just oh, that's a Fire TV. Came up with a lovely little icon for it, uh, and so I reached out and grabbed the uh, the remote for my uh, for the Fire TV and uh, and tried it out, uh, and then I was playing around with the other remote and realised actually. You can throw away your Fire TV remote because the remote from Samsung Less is just remotes, please. Universal too, right? remote, but how hard was it to yeah. set up? I did nothing. It just that's worked perfect automatically. And that's what's missing. Knew what it was, that. and actually, you could just go and and it's a you know. I know you're spending you know nearly seven thousand dollars on a on a TV, um, <laughs> but a bit it, but, but actually the the you know the remote lovely little you know steel remote and and just how convenient that was was actually it surprised me uh, how much that stood out to me and just how convenient that is and I'm sure yeah. that's probably the case in some of their other you know some of their other models too that they do you know somewhat similar things. Uh, but for the L- LG, uh, which is also a 4K TV, it's not an OLED one um, that I have been using. Yeah, that certainly that sort of ease of use just just wasn't there. So um, you know, it's the, these these little step forwards that that make the difference. And obviously, look, you know, you're going to spend that money because you want the absolutely stunning picture. Right. Uh, but the ease of use aspect on it is very good. The other thing I uh, did was try it with uh, try it with um, Samsung. Um, so you've got, uh, sorry, with their uh, Samsung, um, what do you what do you call it? Their soundbar. Um, so with the Samsung yeah. soundbar, and that was a very natural and easy to use integration as well. So you didn't need, 
you know, extra extra anything to sort of control the sound bar. That was yeah. very, you know, very, very slow. So I, I kind of like this. So no one's won the IoT ecosystem in the home yet. It's still wide open, frankly, as far as I'm concerned. We have certain devices that mm. are leading, mm. but, but nobody owns the home in the way that mm. we mm. see other ecosystems kind of owned by one brand or another, or at least competed for by two key brands. Mm. And it's interesting because everything you're describing there is some of the stuff that's been missing from the mm. transition. Mm. As mm. we were you know, plugging in Apple TVs or plugging in Alexa devices or doing things and integrating them with our TV, it's not smooth. It's really clunky. You're typically mm. having mm. to nav in and out, and it's very... Maybe you do have three remotes, you know, whatever's going on. But I, but I like this. Mm. I want the things, the gadgets, to play nice together. Just works. Yeah, just yeah. just work. Let me piggy tail, yeah. you know, piggy yeah. tail everything together, and and don't make it overcomplicated. Yeah. And so. So they're, yeah, they're re- they're nailing that. Also, try it out. So th- so this was a um, a sound bar with a separate. Uh, base speaker that could go, you know, across your room wirelessly, just you know, worked flawlessly. Nice. Uh, tried out the Harman Kardon one that we talked on the show uh, about earlier on in the year. Uh, that that was demonstrated to us uh, with a room with maybe twenty five uh, people in it, with a sort of a, a private uh, cinema. And uh, that worked very well in that space, and certainly it was more than loud enough in the in the in the lounge. Uh, at at home, I mean, certainly, you know, very capable on the bottom end. You know, could right. you know wake up the neighbourhood. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. So look, you know, and both of those just you know integrated in quite quite nicely. So nice nice to have all yeah. these uh, all all these options. Um, now Harman Kardon, of course, brand that that Samsung now own. The other gadget, um, the couple of other gadgets have been um, they sent across as well. One was the Harman Kardon Allure, and I've uh, been trying that one out, and that's been in my office as my Alexa speaker over over the past couple of months. Um, and look, that is that sort of you know takes, I guess, your smart assistant. Sort of to the next level. They actually are yeah. a really, really nice sounding um, speaker without filling up a whole lot of space. So it's still, you know, um, not not uh, taking up a big chunk of your room. Right. But, In the way that our old speakers used. Yeah, yeah. But really nice. And you know, on the sound side, uh, you've got basically a bass speaker that uh, that that points down. Um, so you got to be careful if you're picking it up. Don't you know? Pick it up and put your hand under underneath because uh, you're going to put it through the um, through the speaker. Um, but yeah, overall very very nice. A couple, couple of technical issues with uh, with setting it up, but once it's uh, once it's up and running, uh, seems seems to generally work uh, work well. Um, so nice, yeah. And have you noticed the 360 sound and and that you can talk to it from far away? Have you explored? Yeah, that? so that's yeah, the, the so the distance the distance seems to work well. Having you yeah. know, having all those multiple uh, microphones in there, uh, and yeah, the sound quality is is. Yeah, for such a small speaker is really really good. So you I, you know, I, I've had a soft spot for Harman Kardon in the sound space for a while, and I think they really create a, a well, pun intended. Why not a sound product? Yeah. and it's it's quality. We yeah. really, yeah. especially ten years ago, we saw an extreme variance in all the cheap headphones, you know, skull oh, yeah. candy style. Yeah, you have yeah. you have a lot of low quality tech getting packaged in very high branded. Mm. You know, mm. machine injected plastic, and and people trying to pretend that that's somehow an acoustic experience. It's not. So I'm super happy. Actually, I, I was kind of delighted, as you saw when you brought that in 
today. Yeah. Like, oh, you have a Harman Kardon speaker. It's been a little while since I've played with something from their sound space. And yeah. so I think it's good. It's I'm curious to see... I'm very curious to see how voice control evolves into which devices and what we're mm. what we're actually going to use the most. And I do think having quality sound. I mean, I don't have a voice activated device in my home, personal choice, but I would consider if it was going to also give me something else. Mm. I have enough to talk to. I'm a yeah, professional yeah, speaker. Yeah. I talk to people all day. <laughs> I don't need to come home and start talking to the stuff in my room. I'm not actually interested in that at all. So, but if it's going to create sound and ambiance and it saves me screen time. Where I'm looking down at my phone and setting things up, and it's going to really make my home feel warm when when everyone walks in. Then yeah. you know, yeah. I can play. I can be mm-hmm. convinced to bring mm-hmm. a listening device inside. Yeah. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a whole range across. You know, from from Harden and So the other one I tried was their uh, some of their Bluetooth um, headphones and. There's so many products in that space. I've, I mean, I've got to say, it's it's kind of hard to. I mean, how um, many have you tried? You know, I feel hard, like I've it's had hard to so sort of di- differentiate, but, Lord. you know, between them. And um, you know, I guess it, it depends what you're looking for. You know, for me, it's usually something that's going to work well on the aeroplane. Um, and so, you know, you've got good, uh, you know, good um, uh, noise cancelling in that environment. You know, but other than that, just being you know really nice to use for calling and and so on. Yeah. And, um, you know, that seems to they seem to take the boxes. So um, yeah, we, we're just seeing more and more competition in that space. Of course, Microsoft moved into that area as well in the in the last uh, in the last few weeks. So always lots of new gadgets, lots of new tech. Um, before we wrap up, were there any was there anything that just sort of stood out to you at uh, Blockworks conference when you were here that you you know think. Uh, people might be uh, curious about. Yeah, so something, and this is very relevant, I think, to the New Zealand community and something maybe not that people take for granted, but they forget really differentiates New Zealand from other countries in the world was, so the the emphasis of the conference was truly existing and, and practical immediate applications of this technology, not this future forward hypothetical game we talk in the Silicon Valley all the time, but hands-on, what can we do and, and what's working. And there are already projects, I mean, with the Monica Honey, there, there's a lot of actual, work being done in the certification and and verification of goods coming out of New Zealand because you do produce wonderful things. Everybody likes them and we all just want to copy you. So it, it was great to see examples on stage that people could then relate to, may have even eaten or experienced already mm-hmm. and could understand why that preservation was necessary. But the the real thing that always strikes me when I'm down here is, is truly the sense of community and the appreciation and integration of Maori culture and indigenous spirit in all of the innovation here. And it is beautiful. It is something as an American that is, is truly shocking and, and inspiring when I'm here. And so I was deeply touched to see, and Justin Flitter, the curator, did an outstanding job at Blockworks. I was deeply touched to see the, the focus on both females as well as indigenous entrepreneurship in this space and elevating that to the stage right away. So it doesn't become the same homogenous tech conversation that other verticals have encountered mm, in the past. Mm, mm. So that was wonderful. There, there's a lot of reason to hope that New Zealand can be a, a firm player in this game and really, really be on the global level. Mm. This, this is one of those techs that's not going to... 
isolate nations like New Zealand, but rather bring you in literally to the blockchain. So it's awesome. That's great. Yeah, thanks That's for great. asking. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think, you know, we, we, you know, see a lot happening in the blockchain world. Um, or hear a lot of ideas and things, but don't always see the sort of the practical things. So you know, it's good good to see where it's actually yeah. Uh, where it's I actually, need that. Where it's actually real yeah, as a futurist. We're that's always great. making up the future, and it's so nice to just see when it arrives and talk yeah. about it yeah. real time. That's great. Well, thank you very much for uh, thank you for having back on the show. Me. We'll, we'll look forward pleasure. to your uh, next visit. Yes, me too. Everyone, tell Paul how much you enjoyed this, so I can continue to come back and hang out. <laughs> um, and where do people track you down online? I am a very stalkable person. Again, my name is Savannah Peterson. My Twitter handle is Sav is Savvy, and you can find me at savannahpeterson.com. Say hello on LinkedIn. Really, uh, look for the I'm now unicorn hair, I guess, right now, but the loud, sassy, blonde girl talking about tech. And I, I truly love to engage. I love hearing from you on Twitter and Instagram after Paul and I hang out and in the Facebook comments uh, so so don't hesitate and I'm so grateful thank you so much for having me here with your wonderful team and your super fancy updated studio thank you well great to see you um, and anyone that wants to track me down online usual uh, social media Paul Spain uh, on Twitter Facebook and LinkedIn uh, if you want to catch up in person and maybe you're in the world of um, uh, running a business that does uh, tech for um, that small to medium business I'll be speaking next week at the SMB IT Professionals Conference uh, in Melbourne. So uh, that's at the end of next week. So I'll be doing the opening keynote. And I just saw as I sat down an email that I think I'm on a panel there uh, as well. So it looks like I'll be around for the for the whole uh, for the whole two days. Uh, so I'm yeah looking looking forward to spending a bit of time there in uh, in Enjoy Melbourne. That. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. We'll catch you again next week. See ya. Bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.